Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman. Welcome to Career Central. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host of an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals. The rapid changes in the employment landscape, companies reducing staff or closing while other industries are being created and growing has made many of us ask, what is next? How will we be able to advance our career in these tumultuous times? Our guest today will help us to answer those questions. Marie Zimanoff is the CEO of Career Thought Leaders. For several years, she has invited many of the top thought leaders in the career management field to share their ideas and insights about the changes that will affect the world of work and how to manage them. Taking the input from these sessions, Marie creates an annual white paper. The accuracy of the predictions from previous white papers motivated me to ask Marie to share the conclusions she reported in her current white paper. So Marie, welcome to Career Central. Thanks, Lorraine. It's great to be here. It is fantastic to have you. Before we get too far in this conversation, can you share with our listeners your career path, how you got to where you are today? Sure. Like anyone's, never a straight line, although mine seems a little bit more of a straight line than some people in the careers industry because I actually studied to be in career services. But I was at the university, so I worked at Colorado State University, and I knew that I liked working with students. I I liked that atmosphere. And so I actually was applying to the Higher Education Administration Program. And at Colorado State, it's extremely selective. And so I didn't get in, and I thought, oh, what am I going to do, right? We hit that roadblock, and we think, oh, what do do I want to do. And someone suggested to me that I go for the counseling and career development program because there were also people on campus in advising roles that had that that degree. And so I applied for that and started down the track actually to be a school counselor. But my first class was with the other school counseling focused people. And right away, I could see that they're dealing with parents. And it just didn't sound like they really got to spend that much time focused on the students. So I switched tracks to career and started down this path of learning about careers and and how career development works throughout the lifespan, and then worked for an individual who ran her own career services business. And that put me on this path to being independent. So I left the university in 2008, in September of 2008, and we might remember what was going on then. The economy was crumbling, but I didn't think it would be that hard to, to make the amount of money I was making as an advisor at Colorado State on my own. And so I left the university and I taught at our local workforce center. I worked for other career coaches and resume writers. I worked at a local nonprofit. I worked with gentlemen that were in in the corrections facility because they'd violated parole um, and needed to find jobs. And so I did all of these things, kind of piecing it together to try to make my business go. And then in 2015, so about five years ago, I took over the leadership of Career Thought Leaders and Resume Writing Academy, where I train other career services providers and build a community and provide networking opportunities. And it's just delightful. We have a community across 40 different countries, all the continents, and it's really fun to learn what everyone's doing and to support people like you who are doing this great work to help people get back to work and find find the jobs that they love. Well, I've got to admit, I am a member of Career Thought Leaders, and I do get that amazing support. Before I move on any further, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about Career Thought Leaders, because you did a great job. You know, it's 40 cross country, cross multiple countries. But tell us a little bit more about the folks that are part of the organization and what they're doing for job seekers and, you know, people in the in the career field. Yeah, and so everybody always says, you know, who's your audience? And our audience is quite broad in that they are career coaches, resume writers, career services providers in many different industries. So they might work in a university career center or a workforce center or for a big nonprofit like Goodwill um, or independent business owners. 
And they all have that similar thread that they really strive to keep up on the trends. They, they want to be up on the latest and the greatest, and they want to help us do that as well, because it's not just me, you know, it's our community that is staying on top of what's the, the new and the next. And so this is a group of professionals that is really trying to make sure they know the latest, they're helping their job seekers with the best information, the latest information possible, and they might be helping them through a job search or decide what they want to do next with their career, write their resume, determine you know what really is their personal brand, how do they stand out, and then how do they advance within their career. So it's not just the job search side, but a lot of our professionals also coach people who are employed, but looking to move up, how do I get that next promotion? So they really cover the the lifespan of a career. And before we go too much further, you wear a second hat, and that is with the Resume Writing Academy. And the reason I want to bring that up, one is, that's where I studied, and I've got to admit it's where I've learned the majority of what I use when I prepare resumes, but also the fact that resume writing is a profession, and I think a lot of our listeners, because our population are folks that are trying to advance their careers, and they may be struggling, you know, and they know that their resume isn't going through applicant track and all that, that there really is such a thing as a professional resume writer, and just give people a little idea of what it involves to become a professional resume writer. Yeah, so our training program, the Academy Certified Resume Writer, takes people through how do you help someone get the best information? How do you format a resume so that it looks good to the human eye and can go through an applicant tracking system? And then how do you build a strategy that really positions the person for their future? So a lot of times when you get a resume and you, and you think about a resume, a lot of, it's, you know, we think first of, oh, it's just a capture of all of the things I've done in the past, but it really is a marketing document that speaks to your future. So when I work with resume writers, they might have, you know, a good solid writing foundation. Most of them learn a lot in the formatting section. Um, and then when we get to strategy, that's really where people who get trained with us see a difference in their documents because they're really focused on helping someone move forward with their career, not just capture what they've done in the past. And that takes a while for, for people to learn. So in our program, they write five resumes and get feedback on those resumes so that they can really learn and, and pr- improve and build their confidence to help people as they move forward. And thanks for sharing that both so that people know that if they love to write and they are exploring career options, being a resume writer is one of them. But also the fact that there are professionals who are trained who can take your resume and, and make it marketable, help it get through the applicant tracking system. So, But actually, we called you to, or asked you today to talk about the white paper. So I promise we're going to go on to that. Tell <laughs> me, um, okay, the white paper is career thought leader has been... Um, producing white papers for a very long time. And one of the things I said in my intro is that, and I have them all on my bookshelf, as I look back, I see how accurate the predictions were. So tell us a little bit about how you collect that information, who you invite and all of that. So we have a basis to know what we're reading. Yeah, so this is our 11th year of doing that paper. And Wendy Enelo, who founded Career Thought Leaders, um, Louise Kersmark, they came up with this idea years ago And when it started, they would collect the trends around what was going on in resume writing and what was going on in job search and how are those things shifting. And each year, they would invite the career thought leaders community to come and share their ideas about what was coming next. And it started in, you know, small groups around the world. So groups would get together in person around the world and really talk about what was coming next in the industry. About three years ago, we, you know, people said, oh, you know, Marie, we're ready for something fresh. And so we rolled out this idea of talking about trends that are going on more globally. We called them megatrends. And then how is the career field shifting or adjusting to address those trends and to help people job search and manage their careers despite of those trends or or along with those trends. And so we've been talking about, you know, AI 
and virtual job search and remote work. Funny, so remote work was one of the topics for our paper last year before the pandemic in in 2019, November 2019, we were talking about remote work. Um, So then when the remote work hit, it was like, oh, wait, we've got a resource for this already. (laughs) And then we've been talking about emotional intelligence and positive psychology, all of the trends that we see in the workplace and how do those impact careers and how people job search and manage their careers. And so that's been really interesting to kind of look at it in a little bit different way. Um, and and people still talk about, you know, how are resumes changing? How is LinkedIn profiles changing just in relationship now to these trends and what we see going on differently in, in the world in terms of the workplace and, and job search? And I want to reinforce what that experience is like to have people from all over the world. Um, I, I don't know what the count is. It seems like there's hundreds sharing their ideas and feeding together. And just out of that interaction and that brainstorming, the ideas just just bubble up, which is really, I think, really an advantage to the job seeker that everybody's bringing together and they're the, discussion and you see a trend. I mean, sometimes we listen to one person and yes, they have good ideas, but when you have a group that's balancing off each other, I think, again, for the last 10 years, you've done an excellent job predicting what work is going to look like. So let's jump into, um, tell us what you found out this year. Yeah. So this year, our topics were all very timely. So we decide the topics each summer before the event in November. So it's really you know, it's timely. It's not like these topics were decided three years ago. And this year we were talking about remote work, obviously, again, because it was all hypothetical in November of 2019. And then it all became real, a little bit more real than some people would have liked this year. So we talked about that. We talked about the virtual job search because some of the technology had been used in job search up till now, but the pandemic really brought it to a new level when you're talking about, of course, virtual interviews, the one-way video interviews and virtual networking, all of the ways that we're used to coaching people had, had shifted as we were going online. And then we were also talking um, about the the idea of you know diversity and equity and inclusion in hiring and the workplace because that was a big topic this year. Older workers, so especially with the impact of the pandemic, a lot of older workers were in this place of you know do I retire? Don't I retire? What does that look like? Maybe I hadn't planned on it, but now it, it seems like a good idea. And and also the mental health needs of our clients and ourselves and how do we manage those in in today's work um, and then lastly always the emerging technology and jobs both in terms of how are we in the field using this emerging technology and what does it mean for our clients is automated you know automation going to take jobs is it going to create jobs what does that look like and how do we help ourselves and our clients stay on top of those trends so let's just jump, uh, I, I'd like to jump into all of them, but let's start with remote work because it is so real. And again, last November, you thought, oh, gee, we should start exploring re- remote work. And now most of us are working remotely. So talk about um, a little bit about the trends and where you see things evolving. Yeah, so we looked at it in two different spheres, if you will. One of them being that leadership and how do you lead as a remote worker? And Deborah Benton did a presentation for us. She actually wrote a book on remote leadership in 2012. So it was great just to hear. I mean, she's been talking to leaders of global companies about this for a long time. And what better way to do this well than build on the lessons of people who've been doing this for a long time for different reasons, obviously, and in a different time, but but they've been doing this. And then also we looked at remote work in as a worker. How do you be successful? How do you keep your brand visible in the remote space? Um, And how do you make sure you're managing your career remotely because that looks different? And Petra Zink from Australia was our speaker on that topic. And just looking at the, the themes of what makes you successful as a remote worker. So we can dive a little bit deeper into both of both of those. Uh, but those were the two ways that we looked at remote work just to see what's what are the trends, but also what are some best practices that our coaches can share to help people be successful 
in remote work. And we kind of tried to talk about finding work in our virtual job search theme, but we also talked a little bit about how do you find remote work um, because that is that's a trend and it, it had been happening before the, the pandemic, but definitely moved into a new level. And uh, now you can even, you know, search work by remote on LinkedIn. And I think that feature had just come on before the pandemic, but no one was really using it. And now of course that that's a well-known and well-used feature. How do I search for remote work? And a lot of job boards have made that a new feature for job seekers and for employers who are wanting to hire remotely. Great insights for those that um, are new to LinkedIn. Go check out that virtual option. That's that's new to me. Um, we are going to take a very, very short break. And then when we come back, we're going to ask Marie to talk a little bit more about that remote leadership. I know many of the folks that listen to this show want to move into leadership roles. We talk a lot about that. So let's tap into her wisdom. And we'll talk a little bit about being a worker in that virtual setting, being seen, some of the things she just touched on lightly, and then, of course, how to find a job in this virtual environment. Stay with us. We're going to be right back and continue our conversation with Marie. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book. Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career. From how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back. This is Lorraine Beeman. I'm having a wonderful time talking to Marie Zimanoff, who is the CEO of Career Thought Leaders. And before the break, she was talking about remote work. We mentioned the fact that that was a topic she decided she would have her career thought leaders discuss in November. So this is really pre-pandemic. And then suddenly they met in the middle of a pandemic and talked about how to be a a leader, how to be a strong worker. And so that's what I want to dive into. I know a lot of our listeners um, tune in to find out tips for assuming leadership roles and building that um, position and Virtual just has its challenges. So, Marie, why don't you jump in and give us some ideas of how in this virtual world we establish ourselves as leaders? 
Yeah, it was funny. So Deborah Ben kind of made the joke that um, she had heard from the leader of FEMA, and he had said, you know, if you want to have great leadership in a crisis, have great leadership before the crisis. And that's a challenge for a lot of leaders, right? If they were new or maybe they had a new team and things might not have been going well, that, that may not have been the case. But then we talked about how you need to do everything that you would do as a great leader, just more more communication, more check-ins, more opportunities for people to connect. And we've heard a lot about how, you know, the removal of the water cooler conversations have really made it difficult for people to give and receive that more informal feedback and opening the lines of communication for those. And that may not mean a formal meeting. I think we're all zoomed out, right? So we gotta be careful about the number of formal meetings we have, but what are some other ways that we can connect? And uh, a few of our colleagues even were working for a large outplacement company that sent them all wine and cheese and they had a virtual wine and cheese party. Some people are getting really creative in ways that you can help your team connect beyond, you know, just a Zoom happy hour. How could you add something that makes it a little bit more fun, a little bit more connective? And some of those things that make people feel like they're there in person. And in-person events, of course, went virtual. And corporate corporate people have been trying to figure out how do we make this event fun for our attendees, for our employees. And that's some of the fun things that they've been doing, you know, virtual reality, as well as kind of everyone's got the same props, whether it's a cooking thing or wine and cheese, and everyone's doing that same thing together, even though they're at home. And leaders are trying to find those ways to do the big things, but also just the small things in terms of staying in in contact with their employees. And then you add the pandemic on top of it. And I know we, you know, mental health is another whole area that we talked about, but I think that's one of the challenges for leaders right now is balancing the need for productivity and accomplishing business goals with the awareness that everyone in the whole world right now in some way is struggling with isolation or anticipatory grief or grief from losing someone. There are mental health challenges that all of us around the whole globe are facing. And as a leader, we can't just kind of shove those under the rug and say, we're just going to focus on work because then we're, we're, dragging people along and not paying attention to their needs, what they really need to be able to do that job well. And how do you connect with them around that, I think is what a lot of leaders been struggling with. And, you know, kind of flows right into the emotional intelligence conversation that we had in 2019, and that we're still having today, really, as a leader, that emotional intelligence is challenged even more today because I have to do it all virtually. I have to be able to read people and how they're feeling and, and what's going on virtually, and then be able to manage my own reactions well virtually. Um, And, you know, simple things, not overusing email, getting back on the phone. Phone is great, right? We're all Zoom fatigued, but we can get on the phone and have great conversations with people and give them a little bit of an opportunity to connect and listen and hear, hear their voice. Um, whereas an email can come across wrong. So I think we're relearning some of those skills and basic communication and being a good communicator and and listener. Great advice. And I know that a lot of times you have conversations with, with people in the field. Any good stories about perhaps a leader that's done something unique? I mean, I love the idea of the wine and cheese. I think that was really unique, but maybe, maybe something else that somebody has done that's really impressed you with, um, you know, kind of dealing with the issues of staying connected. So I've seen leaders and heard other people are talking about clients that again are just doing that more weekly touch in over the phone. It's so simple, right? We're not talking about some outlandish thing here, but the the simple weekly touch base over the phone. Um, a lot of people have increased their use of things like Slack and the virtual communication channels. And then also people saying, okay, so I think this was a creative company that said, these hours are creative time. These hours are meeting time. And if you write to someone, even on Slack, because Slack could kind of start to feel like that 24-7, people expect me to, to respond right away. They set limits. So if you chat someone 
these are the hours where you can expect for them to chat back because especially the more creative fields were saying, you know, this doesn't work for me. I can't constantly be on Slack and be able to write well or really get into design of, you know, whatever I'm designing. So there's been some companies doing some really creative things around time blocking for their whole team so that everyone's expectations are set. And if you've got salespeople that need, you know, to talk to the creative people, these are the times where they can bother them. <laughs> and these are the times where they can expect them to not respond because they they get this kind of deep dive creative time. So I thought that was a really creative solution as well. I think that's a great idea. And just to, to reinforce what you're saying is it used to be, you know, you'd walk down the, the hall and you'd see somebody, their, their door would be closed or they would be intently bent, bent over on a project and you knew not to interrupt, but we don't have those cues anymore. And then because we're all working virtually, there's no rhythm. So you could have people, you know, every 20 minutes jumping in thinking they're the only ones. So actually as a, a leadership style and then actually as an employee style, value, translating that time that we used to have to work into that virtual thought. Great, great insights. I wanted, we talked a little bit about as the worker setting some um, boundaries, but what would you advise because again, you, you mentioned before the break that you know workers want to be noticed, you want to be valued. How do we do that as, as, a, as an employee? So I think we learned quickly that you have to show up to show up, which is kind of like a duh, right? But yeah. it was easy to jump on that Zoom call and just be a voice, not have your mm-hmm. picture. And uh, even having that you know, kind of stock photo yeah. But if you really want to be visible virtually, you have to be visible. You have to show up on those calls okay. and then also showing up in the chat. So I've been talking to some people that even when you're part of a bigger meeting, like an all corporate meeting, jump in the chat, ask questions, talk to people, because then your name is popping up on the chat, right? So there's some of those small ways that we can be visible virtually in the communication channels. So chat in in Slack or with your team, with your boss, it's really more on the employee now to be visible in communication, which I think helps everything, right? When we're communicating more, we're more likely to be on the right step and thinking and getting the feedback more quickly and making those changes faster. So I like that where it's gone. And even for an introvert, you know, being able to do the the chat and kind of communicate maybe in a way that's more uh, more second second nature for them is fun. So I love to use the chat in virtual meetings. I'll use the private chat to say hello to people. Um, so if you're an organizer, especially about like a corporate meeting, leave that function on. I know you can turn it off, mm-hmm. but leave it on. It allows your employees to connect with each other. It is important to let the employees know that even those private chats are seen on the administrator's end. So they're really not private. But it lets your more introverted employees, you know, get on there and jump and say, you know, hi, Lorraine, it's good to see you. And I can do that one-on-one in the private chat and we can make that connection, which is really helpful for my employees to be able to make those connections with each other. And for my brand, I can be visible in the big chat, but then I can also be visible and maintain my connections with people individually using that individual chat during a meeting. So those are just some thoughts around as a worker, how we can stay visible, go to the meetings, show up on video, make sure your 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 presence there reflects your brand. Think about your background, think about your presence, your your, you know, get getting dressed up at least from the waist up <laughs> and and show up there um, so that we can have that visibility and we you know, we're all none of us love video and just the more we do it, the more we'll get over it, but you do want to be thoughtful about your professionalism there on on the video even in a team meeting. Okay. A couple things that new, just a reminder, everything you put in the chat is visible. It's not private. So just a, a little reminder, if you're getting a little carried away with what the, what the boss is saying, you really don't want to have a, that side chat, which you could do, you know, in, a, in an office meeting, you could bend over and, ch- and whisper to somebody. That's not a whisper. That is a letting the boss know what, what you're thinking. Um, and I love the fact that you t- touched on introverts, because that's what I always think is in this um, setting of virtual where we do get on and we do talk, it can be very easy to put up your picture and be silent. And people are going, 
is she there? Is she not there? What is she doing? What is she contributing? So I'm thinking probably if somebody is not comfortable, um, they should just make it the habit of jumping on and saying, hi, good to see you. Just, you know, those comments that say, yes, I am engaged. So yes, yeah. yeah, you definitely want to talk and use the chat. If for some reason you can't do video, which not everybody can, right? Yeah. And and that's that's there. So just jump on, say hello, let people know you're there, and and use the chat more if you're not able to use video. Yeah. And we don't need to do video for every call, right? And things will be on the phone still. And even on the phone, you want to be there, ask good questions, all those things that I coach a, a client to do in an all member meeting that was in person. Now, I think in some ways are even easier to do virtually uh, because of the chat features, etc. And it just have to be there and be, be present and then be aware and thinking about how you can engage in a way that that makes sense. What question could you ask? And doesn't have to be, you know, the zinger doesn't have to be the best question ever. But what could you do that shows that you're engaged and you're there and, and communicating with others? So let's tap into job search in that virtual world, because I know that's something that the paper talked a lot about across in several areas. So why don't we start with some highlights of those folks that are out there going, oops, I'm going to have to get a job in this virtual world. What what tips do you want to share? Yeah, so it's the same process, different tools. So the things that we know how to do, networking, researching, connecting, those are all the things that we still want to do. We're just going to use tools to do them. And I was interviewing, actually, on the Career Confidant radio, I was interviewing uh, Fern, what is, oh, I'm not going to remember her last name, but she was Fawn, Fawn Germer, Fawn Germer, and she was talking about how she was getting on a call in early in the pandemic, and she wanted to interview some CEOs for her book and her work that she's doing, and she said, these CEOs, you could never get them in the same room. And now she had 10 of them that all jumped on Zoom with her at the same time Mm -hmm. because it's virtual, right? It's easier for Mm -hmm. people. So the networking piece in some ways has gotten easier. People are hungry for connection, real connection. And if you reach out to people that you know, so your colleagues, maybe people that you even might have lost touch with a little bit, they're going to be more apt to say yes if we ask them in a way that they can do it, right? If you're asking for a job, it's going to be off-putting, but you're asking people to help you with your research or help brainstorm ideas, what types of companies you're looking at, industries. If you bring topics that people can engage with, you might actually find that your engagement is higher now than it was before the pandemic. And finding out, do people want to connect over the phone or via Zoom, always offer them those options Mm -hmm. because then they can let you know, oh, phone is best because I've got two little kids, right? (laughs) Phone is best. I've got two little kids and I can put it on mute. If we go video, my my sons are all up in the video um, if it's, you know, if it's after hours. So ask them what they prefer and you might be surprised at the response rate that you get. So same process, networking, different tools maybe the phone or Zoom, instead of getting to see people in person. Although we are getting back to a little bit more in person, the weather's starting to get nicer. You could ask someone to go for a walk if they're local or meet at a local coffee shop and sit outside if they're comfortable. Always want to be careful to, you know, think about people's comfort as we move back into meeting one-on-one. And people haven't done that for a long time. So they may, they may be hesitant for many reasons. And we just want to be thoughtful of that. But there's a lot of opportunity to network right now. And the same process is going to apply. Af- asking those big picture questions, giving people a lot of ways to help you, and having a, a conversation that's not a one-way street. So learning about them, how can you help them? and opening those doors to the conversation so that you can really have a a good relationship with that person. And we can do that virtually almost as well as we could do that in person. And I really like the point that you make that because everything is virtual, you can suddenly network with somebody on the other side of the country, whereas before it was kind of awkward on the phone. Well, why are you talking to me on the phone? You know, normally, you, you know, go to coffee, stop by the office. And so really, in some ways, it's opened up a lot of, um, possibilities. And the other thing is for very busy folks, 
jumping onto a call, jumping onto a Zoom for a few minutes is different than somebody stopping by the office and there's the logistics of getting someplace and, and back and forth. So if there's anything good that we can look at in terms of this technology, it's the fact that we can pop in on people very easily and, and uh, not impact them so much in terms of their time. So, yeah. But so networking, any other things that you um, want to talk about doing the same thing with different tools? Yes, yeah, so online applications have been not the best way to job search yeah. for years. And you are going to see more competition right now in online job search. So the number of applicants per position has been going up since the pandemic hit, uh, especially in certain industries, in administrative assistance, hospitality related things. You can kind of say, okay, these are going to have more applicants per position because there are a lot of people in that field that were laid off and there's not as many jobs doing that right now. And then the online application process is meant to screen people out. So you're still going to want to do that the best that you can and target your resume to those positions when you're applying online because that's how that process works. It's a little bit of a matching game. And then you're going to think about how can I connect with my network in a way to be the referred candidate in. And again, this hasn't changed, just those tools of how I connect and how I stay in connections with my network is going to help me think differently about that and use the tools, you know, whether I can use LinkedIn to stay in, in touch with someone or Instagram or Facebook or all of the tools. You just want to think about where to person spend their time? Where are they hanging out? And how could I connect with them there in a way that is conversational and connective, not pushy or salesy or, hey, I need help, right? So it's those ways that I could stay connected, commenting on, on their news, um, feeling like I'm engaging with them and connecting with them and building that relationship in this virtual space. And and also doing it one-on-one -on -one through these meetings, like we were just talking about networking, but not getting fooled by thinking that now that everything's virtual, it means online applications are going to somehow miraculously be more fruitful. <laughs> well, and I think pre-pandemic, we always said that about 85% of jobs come through networking. So I think you're right. It's the, the same process, but a different tool which is really, really, really good. Let's talk, um, well, I, I, I would like to talk about interviewing. Is that comfortable for you to move into interviewing? Because again, I think it's the same thing, different tools. And I'd love to get your perspective on, on the tools and preparing for that interview. Yeah, so that was interesting data. So JobVite does their recruiter study every year and a job search study. So what are job seekers doing? What are recruiters doing? And their recruiter study came, a, came out in October, um, very timely for our conversation in November. And it was interesting that the number wasn't as high as I thought it might be of recruiters that are using video in their recruiting process. So obviously it shot up. I think it shot up from somewhere around 30% to now it's around 70%. Mm -hmm. 70% of recruiters using virtual interviews consistently in their process. But a lot of people are still using phone. Why? Because recruiters are humans too. And just like you and I, they don't always have the best setup or whatever to do video. And so phone works better for them. And so they're still doing phone interviews. However, it was a huge increase in the amount of people using video interviews. And, and I remember it was very beginning of the pandemic, actually, when my husband had his interview for the MBA program. And they had always done their interviews in person, obviously, you know, you're going to the University of Utah, it's here. And so they moved their interview on to Zoom. And we, you know, had this conversation, no ahead of time. Well, they had sent him the wrong link and then changed the link and he clicked on the wrong link the first time. And so he's sitting there by himself for five minutes <laughs> and then realized, oh, I must be at the wrong spot and went to the other link. And so this is, you know, people that don't necessarily know how to use the tools are trying to use the tools to interview. And then, of course, people who've been doing this for much longer are, are using the tools. But we as job seekers, it's really our job 
to know what we're doing and to test the technology and be at the right link because it's us that looks bad um, when that doesn't work out. So there's a lot more in terms of virtual interviews and I'm sure we can dive in a little bit further here. Yeah, we're gonna take a, a quick break and come back and continue our conversation on interviewing. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career. From how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central and our conversation with Marie Zimanoff, who is the CEO of Career Thought Leaders. Right before the break, she was giving us some ideas about virtual interviewing. She has a great point. We're doing things, the same thing for the job process. We're just using different tools. You know, the, the challenges of getting the right Zoom link. And I think she was sharing the experience that her husband had. And probably the number one thing is patience, patience to um, work with the technology, but did you have any other thoughts about interviewing in this time of, of a virtual world? Yeah, so Maureen Farmer joined us and she's in, uh, she in Nova Scotia, I always forget the exact place, but she is got an interesting perspective because she works with executives that are very global, both in Canada and the US and people moving globally. And she was talking about how well, first of all, we'll just go into some of the tips around virtual interviewing. So we used to tell people that when you were on a phone interview, that it was great to stand up. And the same is true for a virtual interview on Zoom. So if you can fix a place on your kitchen counter, or if you have a standing desk, you know, it doesn't have to look pretty around you as long as it looks pretty behind you. A place where you can stand will actually help you have better presence on video. And so she was talking about how she uses the physiological preparation for the interview with her clients. So making sure that you're you're kind of that presence with your with your body because it's really hard to connect with people over the camera. 
And Susan Curtin was also talking about, you know, you really want to think about that person on the other side of the camera and not just the camera. So you might put a picture behind your camera or do whatever helps you think about the human and how am I going to connect with the human that's on the other side of that camera? And then this was a theme that a few people talked about, but also realizing that when you are not talking on a Zoom interview, that may be the time that you're most in the spotlight. Because like if we had three of us, Lorraine, and you were talking, but there's another interviewer, they're probably watching me to see how I'm reacting. And we might not think about that and, and maybe be frowning or kind of scorning or thinking deeply about what you're saying, but it looks like we're not impressed yeah. <laughs> or maybe bored or whatever. You know, so we really want to be thinking about our facial expression and being connected to the people. And that's hard because you are down here. I'll just be really obvious, like your picture's yeah. down here, but my camera's up here. And that's something that we've had to practice is how do you stay looking at the camera to talk to Lorraine instead of looking at Lorraine to talk to Lorraine, because then yeah. it doesn't really look like I'm looking at you. So those are just a few things with virtual interviews to really think about how we connect and pay attention to the person on the other side of the camera, because that'll help build that emotional connection that would be much easier to build in, in person. Um, and then just thinking about that we've got those salary negotiation now happening virtually. We, we used to do that in the person or maybe over the phone. And now entire jobs are being offered and negotiated over email. And it's a different world, especially for those of us who are coaching. I would have told people, you know, never negotiate salary over email. But now that's the way that it's happening. And we've got to adjust and figure out how are we going to do that in the best way for our clients. And, and Maureen was telling a story of a gentleman she was working with who negotiated salary back and forth and negotiated benefits back and forth via email and just a completely new world for most of our clients and for a lot of us who are used to coaching clients through doing that in a very different way. Um, how can we translate what we know about what makes those negotiations successful into the the type of communication method that's going to be used today. Great insights, especially on the negotiations. Um, I always think about, oh, get on the phone, but it's interesting that people are actually doing an email. Some advantages because you know exactly what the other person said, but takes out that personal um, flavor. So probably need to work on how you really phrase things in an email so that you, because that's the number one thing with negotiation, you don't want to offend the person making the, making the offer. So great, great insights. Um, based on your research, any, any suggestions for our listeners as we kind of get towards the end of the hour, what, what parting words would you like to um, leave them with? Yeah, so that job fight study showed that recruiters are using a lot of different social media to recruit. They're using Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Actually, their use of LinkedIn has gone down in the last few studies. So LinkedIn's still a great place to be. And of course, we can connect with recruiters there. But if you want to think of some out-of-the-box ways to connect with recruiters, Think about Facebook groups, industry groups, location groups, company groups, company pages, and then Instagram accounts as well, because those are places that in some ways are more connective than LinkedIn. They're more accessible. The people you want to talk to may be more accessible on those other platforms and give you an opportunity to connect, to follow, to engage with those recruiters, not just on LinkedIn, which is a good place to do it, but also on those other places where you might be and where they are as well. And then thinking about how we manage our, our digital brand across all of the platforms that we're on so that when someone connects with us or sees our, our posts as well as our profile, they see the part of the parts of us, not just, you know, that professional front, but the parts of us that really show who we are and that that connect us to the work that we do and to what we want to be known for. Yeah. Well, and the fact that that is how employers are engaging with folks is kind of a good reminder to be careful about what you post. Um, any comments on that? I know that's a topic all of the time, especially especially for young people starting out and their Facebook and all that. What What advice would you give them? Yeah, so you don't want to, you know, make a point where it's just a professional front because then you don't differentiate yourself, you don't connect, 
you do want to be thoughtful about, is this really what I want someone to know about me? So I was working with a nonprofit director years ago who wanted to work in a position in the governor's office. And she said, well, should I take this somewhat political, but really just advocacy information off of my Facebook profile? And I said, well, if you know, you don't have any advocacy on your Facebook profile, why would I hire you in this office within the governor's office? Because this office position was an advocate for poverty and poverty programs. And so it's figuring out how to have your passions and communicate your passions, but to do it in a way that is aligned with how you want to be seen professional in your communications and to not respond to anyone else's post in a way that you wouldn't do face-to-face in a meeting. Just really thinking about that emotional intelligence and how it shows up on social media. Don't do things you wouldn't do in an in-person meeting, right? And and don't engage in a way that is overly confrontational or you know overly um, critical because it is there and it's there for everyone to see, even, <laughs> even if you think your profile is private. There's a lot of ways that that hiring managers can see what you're doing and what you're saying. So just keep it in line with what you want to be known as and how you want to communicate with people and, and think about that as you post and as you comment. Great suggestions. Um, we always ask our guests to give our listeners a five-second challenge, something that they can do that right after the show that will help them start down the path of developing a career advancing um, strategy. Any suggestions what you think they should do? So stay on top of trends in your industry. Go to that industry magazine or whatever it is, always online now, right? But Mm -hmm. go to those industry publications and start reading and really critically thinking about what's going on. And as you said, Lorraine, that's the best part about Career Jam is that we get people together who kind of share what's going on in a global way so that none of us are sitting there in in a vacuum thinking that we're getting the best information, but only from one source. So pay attention to what's going on in your industry. Spend 10, 15 minutes a week reading what's going on in your company and in your industry or your target industry so that you know and can talk well and quickly with people when you opportunity to meet other people in your industry. That will help you stand out and people will take note of the things that that you know. And I really find that that helps people make those connections. Great advice. Before we have to um, leave, how can people um, connect with you, find out more about career thought leaders? What's the best way to find you? Yeah, so careerthoughtleaders.com. It's got an S there on the end, Career Thought Leaders. And then Marie Zimanoff, uh, you know, pretty unique <laughs> last name I married myself <laughs> into there. So um, I'm the only Marie Zimanoff on LinkedIn and happy to connect with you and um, hear what people are saying and what other things career thought leaders can share to provide what people need to get back to work or advance their careers. Fantastic. I want to thank you so much for coming on today. I have pages of notes. I hope our listeners have absorbed that. And if not, go to Career Thought Leaders. Um, for those of you that um, are, are listening, I want to thank you. for the Many of you have left comments and suggestions on iTunes and Spotify. Um, we've gotten some very supportive comments. I really appreciate them. It is how we um, decide who we're going to have on our show. And next week, our guest will be Rachel Byte. She's going to talk about office romance. She's an HR professional. So until our next show, this is Lorraine Beeman encouraging you to take care of your career because you are the only one qualified to do it. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.